Hello and welcome to CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I am joined, as always, by Xavier Trish on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, and at CFB Winning Edge for my buddy Nick Allen. Nick, what is going on? It's been kind of a crazy day. I mean, uh, just was trying to catch up a little bit on Twitter. I've been going through uh, trying to update as many FBS team profiles from 2019 to 2020 as I can. And so for, you know, one or two hours, I'm sort of Twitter free, which and is geez, a, are you a done yet? Change. Come on. It's uh, it's the <laughs> eighth. Jeez, hey, let's the, go. The SEC is going to be done, I think, tomorrow. And then we'll move on to the Pac-12 after that. But uh, uh, but yeah, so so uh, throughout the course of the, the season, I'm pretty much, you know, Every hour I'm checking in, is there any injury I need to know about, any you know, transfer, you know, what, what's going on in college football and, and all that sort of stuff. But now that things are slowing down a little bit, I, I do have bigger chunks of the day where I'm not you know, plugged in, I guess, so to speak. And, and so uh, not long before you know, I was trying to, to help set up the sheet and, and getting ready to, to record and then – we got NFL draft stuff and trans, you know, uh, Georgia specifically. I mean, Jake from yeah. going to the NFL and then Cade Mays, who is going to be the, the starting left tackle transfers, you know, announces he's, or, or I don't know if he announced it, uh, reporters, uh, said that he, uh, was in the transfer portal. And then like 15 minutes later, it's a done deal. He's going to Tennessee. And then 15 minutes later, there's a lawsuit apparently between uh, his father is suing like the university or the athletic department or something uh, for an injury he sustained uh, on campus. And, and it's just, uh, you know, San Diego State uh, head coach Rocky Long steps down. It sounds like he's pursuing uh, defensive coordinator jobs, but then they just released a statement. He's uh, using the word retirement. So, you know, the, the Mississippi State head coaching search is all over the place. So it's just been it's been kind of a wild few days, really. But I'm just trying to get caught up here in the last couple of hours. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of this stuff. But ooh, <laughs> and man, that's just in college been, football. So <laughs> I know, I just don't pay attention. yeah, luckily, I have, you know, pretty much no other interests. So I, I, I can focus on this and, and not have to worry about, you know, other sports or or anything like that. I do try to, to keep, uh, you know, one ear on what's going out, out in the world. But, uh, I, I kind of like to, to, uh, stay away from that at this moment. I'm like an ostrich man, <laughs> bury my head right in the sand on that stuff. Let's only talk <laughs> sports. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, I mean, how, how many, um, did you drown your sorrows in some liquor or something that now that your guy, Matt rule is, heading off towards the NFL or, I mean, how are you, you going to make I, it through? I I really respect that rule. I respect the job he did. I think that uh, the people that don't quite understand why NFL teams were interested in him just weren't really paying enough attention. Uh, just sort of the, the player development things he did. Um, and, and, the you know, to, to, to go in and... and take over a program that was bad, just in, in bad shape, off the field issues, we all know, uh, to, to come in and sort of, uh, I wouldn't, you know, he didn't necessarily like burn it to the ground sort of thing, but it, it started off 
basically from scratch. They go one and 11 the first year, and then two years later win 11 games. And they're doing some really interesting things in recruiting and player development, stuff like that. Uh, they, uh, he has a coaching background we've talked about before on both sides of the football, which I think is really, really important. Um, so I have a, a ton of respect for him and the job he did. But uh, he's, you know, he's not in college football anymore. So pretty much he's dead to me. So I can <laughs> move on. I have, a, I, have a, uh, I have an off switch. I don't know if you guys have realized that about me, but... Uh, I, I can uh, just take, you know, pour all my heart and energy into into one thing. And then when it's done, it's just boom, it's done. Move it to the side onto the next thing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that, it's a it's a great quality yeah. to have, to be honest. I mean, I don't like it, it. It's crazy to me that you are so invested in college football. And then once the guys are done, like you don't you watch basically no NFL. And, uh, yeah. I just, I don't, I, I don't know how you do that. Uh, how, well, how the, you are able you know, to switch it off. If the local team was better, I might pay more attention, but you know, they <laughs> lost in the playoffs. Yeah. Week, so. They've been no good. Those Patriots. So, <laughs> um, I mean, you've only been around for so long too, you know, I mean, did, did you live there last year? Yeah. Yeah. Been, been here basically a year. Okay. So. So you uh, did they only they won, won the Super Bowl? Yeah, they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jeez. See, yeah, I couldn't, so I couldn't even. <laughs> it took me a second. Uh, I mean, I think Brady's older than all of us, so that's kind of nuts, too, by the way. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, you know, Matt Rule leaving and then Joe Moorhead got fired kind of late. And yep. I mean, the Mississippi State's worse than the Browns as far as finding a coach goes. What are they doing? Like, why did they wait so long to fire Joe Moorhead? And then what are they going to do about a coach now? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because uh, it sounded like there was, uh, you know, some some whispers that if he didn't beat Ole Miss, that he'd be out. But then he did beat Ole Miss, and he said the thing like, oh, and they're going to have to drag my Yankee ass out of here, which was pretty funny, I thought. And then it really had sort of a backlash. I didn't expect it. But uh, just just some some people and probably some Mississippi State fans uh, just didn't really – that didn't sit well with them for some re- you know, for Damn whatever reason. carpetbagger coming on well, down yeah. here taking well, our jobs. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay – that was one of the hires a couple of years ago. It, it seemed like an odd fit. I lived in Mississippi for a couple of years. It's a different place. It, it has some, it has some uh, every place has its good things. And every we place all has saw its bad. Last Chance You. We know exactly what Mississippi's all about. <laughs> but so, so when Joe, Joe Moorhead got hired, Northeast guy from Pittsburgh, spent time in the North, like in New England and in New York and, and all sorts of places. Uh, it seemed like a really weird fit. But then, you know, Dan Mullins from, from down the street here in New Hampshire. So uh, that wasn't necessarily the easiest fit either. But at least Mullen had, you know, he'd spent a few years in Florida. So he'd been uh, involved in, you know, the SEC culture, I guess, for lack of a better word, and all that sort of stuff. It's, and it wasn't as, you know, uh, just sort of uh, two completely contrasting uh, personalities as Joe Moorhead sort of seemed and Mississippi State, I guess. But so I, I thought it was really weird at first. So then uh, after, you know, he, he gets into the swing of things, it's like, okay, you know, maybe uh, things aren't going as well as they could last year. They had one of the best defenses in the country, you know, 
from a, a, an experience standpoint, the entire team, they were loaded, ready to go, and they disappointed. This year, uh, they came in pretty high in our preseason numbers, had them uh, only like the, the fourth best team in the SEC West, but still a top 15 team just as far as overall team strength goes. So they probably should have won more than six games. But anyway, you know, they, they beat Ole Miss. Everything seems fine. He says the thing. They go out, and then there's a fight between the starting quarterback and, and a starting linebacker. Ends up the quarterback gets hurt, can't play in the bowl game. All year they had like a, a I want to say, more than half a dozen guys who were suspended for eight games and they were just kind of, you know, having to piece them together here and there, which games are they going to be in, which games are they not. And then it just seemed like it just wasn't working. Whether it was a uh, discipline issue, there seemed to be some whispers for that. Maybe if it was a personality thing, I don't know, that would make a certain amount of sense. But for whatever reason, got rid of them. But, you know, after the loss in the in the bowl game, which certainly didn't sit well with people, but it wasn't like it was completely unexpected, I, I wouldn't think. So, uh, anyway, yeah, you're right. So yeah. now, well, you know, where are they going to go? Everybody's sort of made their moves already. In a certain sense, they're maybe somewhat lucky that Baylor had the rules situation. So now at least there's another job opening. But it seems like a guy that they were – interested in Billy Napier at Louisiana is more interested in Baylor and pretty much has just given Mississippi state the cold shoulder. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and there's all sorts of people, you know, getting rumored. It sound earlier today, part of that, you know, wild period where I was trying to catch up on the news. It seemed like Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, former USC and Washington head coach sounded like he was, you know, uh, basically almost a done deal. And then the next thing I see is, they talked to Mike Leach and you know other people. Apparently, they've talked to half a dozen to, to ten or, or so people about this job. So it's, it's there's no telling where it's going. Uh, yeah, it's been crazy. Xavier, were you more surprised by Moorhead getting fired late or Rocky Long, you know, potentially leaving San Diego State to take a DC job where, when he's been the head coach for a long time? Yeah, that just. Didn't sit well with me. Um, matter of fact, um, Atlanta Falcons cornerback uh, Demonte KZ had some some emojis as a response that kind of encapsulated what everybody felt about him all of a sudden just leaving a head coaching job to go to D.C. Uh, to go to a defensive coordinator job or looking for that. Uh, it just, just doesn't sit well. It, it, did he feel pushed out, you know? You know, did he feel comfortable with the head coaching position? San Diego State had a, had a good year, finished well with the bowl game. You know, leaving on those kind of terms is weird. Uh, yeah. You know, if it, if it, if it had have been, you know, a negative ending to the season, if they had have gotten smacked in the bowl game or something or rather like that, maybe. But for them to end the season on such a high note, um, it just doesn't sit well with me. And if it's something I, not football forward. related, you'd expect them to come out and say something along those lines, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You at, at some point, the, the AD, the president, somebody would have had to say something. Even if it's uh, private, just say, think. like, this is a private matter. I just need to move. I just need to yeah. move on, whatever it is, you know. Well, rumor has it that uh, the, you know, athletic department, athletic director, whatever, whoever's the, the actual decision maker there, uh, wanted to see some changes to his staff. And because okay. they, they have been excellent on defense, but they've been very uh, 
just just <laughs> they have not been very fun to watch offensively, and they have uh, not until I pick Central Michigan's defense exactly in the, in the ball bash. Right, yeah. it's your it's your fault basically. Right. But uh, but yeah, so so apparently some person with power went to to Rocky Long was like, hey, we'd really like you to uh, make some changes to your staff. And Rocky Long, a guy who's got an eighty and thirty something record since he's taken over there uh 70 years old basically says well i don't need anybody meddling in my you know decision making or whatever and and uh decides well i'm i'm gonna go see what else is out there i like coaching defense so maybe i'll take a uh p5 job and, and somebody brought up a point i don't remember who it was but uh on Twitter as I was going through and everybody was like, what in the world was going on? But somebody was like, well, you know, he's making $870,000, which, uh, you know, I think is fine, but a <laughs> uh, power five, That's 11 bucks in California. So, <laughs> uh, power five defensive coordinator, uh, could make, you know, a million, million and a half, something like that at the right job. I mean, if, if he somehow ends up at like USC, he could make, Two million dollars, you know. Right. So it would be a it would be a huge. That doesn't seem like a good fit. That's pure speculation. Yeah, but, I, I gotcha. but uh, you know, just for for example, I mean, he he could say, you know, I don't need this. I, I'm seventy years old. I I just want to coach some ball. He there's some video of him a couple of years ago at Mountain West uh, uh, media days where he's talking about, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've got a really good group of kids, and if you know, discipline starts to become a, a problem. If I don't like the kids I'm, I'm coaching that sort of stuff, then I might just step away. Uh, so, so it see it sounds like this is something that he'd been thinking about. Like if it's, yeah. if it's not to my exact standards, then I can do something else. So right. that, that I, I don't know what specifically led to it, but it, it sounds like maybe he just didn't want uh, anybody meddling in his, thing and he's that you know if i'm gonna have somebody doing that it might as well i guess be a head coach and i'll be the coordinator now the last bit of news before we start diving into games and stuff uh are some of the declarations and uh unfortunately for you guys as georgia fans uh your guy jake Fromm has decided to take the leap to the nfl tua also decided to go to the nfl and uh there are a lot of teams that had players leaving early so uh, I mean, Xavier, just on a scale of one to 10, how disappointed are you to see Jake Fromm go? A zero. I'm ecstatic that he <laughs> left. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It, it, and it's not because I wanted Fromm to leave. I wanted Fromm to stay um, because I thought that him coming back was going to help out his draft stock personally. Um, the reason why I'm so happy Fromm is, le- is gone is because all season, all year, as a part of Georgia Twitter, people just continued to crap on him. Uh, week after week, he's the reason why we'll never succeed. He's the reason why we'll never win a national championship. And now all of those exact same people are tweeting how soft he is for leaving. Uh, you know, he's the, he's the most successful quarterback in Georgia history. How he, you know, we'll never forget how, how uh, the guy he was on and off the field. He's a damn good dog. And I'm just like, and then he also came out and said that, you know, some of the things said about him this season may have played into his reason of leaving. And now they want to talk about how soft he is. And I'm just like, you know what? Go make your money. 
Throw a middle <laughs> finger up at all the dog fans who were talking crap about you all year and, and, and leave. I have no problem with it. Dog fans, you cannot get mad at a kid for leaving after all you guys did was, you know what I'm saying, it was, it was, it was talk bad about him all year long. So I'm happy he left. So it's a zero for me. Nick, uh, are, are you feeling the, the same way about Jake Fromm? Do you, I mean, do you think that a lot of the uh, negative talk about him w- led to him leaving Georgia? Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I, I, it sounds like it, it certainly could. I mean, I, I haven't seen, uh, if he specifically mentioned it, it sounded like Javier saw something. I hadn't seen that. Um, but you know, I can understand if, if that's the case, if he's getting, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's put a, he's given a lot to Georgia. He's been the starting quarterback for three years, uh, multiple SEC championship or, yeah, uh, one SEC championship, and then uh, playoff, uh, you know, to within a whisker of uh, a national championship. Uh, he's he's had an excellent career, and and if he didn't feel like he was getting sort of the respect, maybe that that he should have gotten, then I can understand if that's a factor. Uh, I also understand, you know, he's he's started uh, however many games it is thirty something almost 40 games in his career you think like okay well maybe maybe i've done what i can do 42 games uh in his career maybe i've done sort of all i can do he he looks around he sees deandre swift is gone he sees his offensive line is is basically gone and you know the the concern uh within the fan base somewhat uh, understandably being the the uh lack of imagination it seems offensively maybe he thought you know that that wasn't necessarily going to uh work in his favor in the future for whatever reason or or maybe there is something brewing behind the scenes where okay we're gonna we're gonna switch things up offensively and maybe he thought okay this isn't really you know the best fit for my style of play i don't know um i i think from a from a numbers standpoint, it hurts. I mean, he, he is a 100-rated player, according to our numbers. He came in as a very, very highly rated uh, recruit. Um, he has had some very productive uh, seasons early in the this year. He was very, very good. Uh, later in the year, the the offense as a whole, you know, struggled at, at times. And and uh, the what's behind him right now is not really what you would prefer i mean stetson bennett who they got as a juco uh transfer last year had previously been a walk-on at georgia uh the third guy on the the depth chart nathan Priestley, is a walk-on because last year's uh high school signee uh dewan mathis has unfortunately uh, had some very serious uh medical issues had a brain cyst that that basically cost him his freshman season. So you don't think that, you know, just purely speculating, it doesn't seem like he would necessarily be ready to jump in and, and be the, the starter next year. So you have to think, okay, now they have to go and find a grad transfer, which has certainly worked out for some people, but it, you know, is, is uh, hit or miss as well. So uh, I think it's a, a huge loss. And I think if you're a, a Georgia fan just looking at, you know, what's next year going to look like? You would rather have Jake Fromm than the unknown situation of not having him. Uh, it could certainly work out for both sides. I hope he uh, has a wonderful pro career and, and uh, 
you know, hopefully this is the right move for him. But uh, from a, you know, if, if you have an interest in Georgia's 2020 prospects, uh, season wide, you know what what is their projections going to be? Uh, not having Jake Fromm is is worse than than having him for sure. Yeah, I mean the only thing that uh, I guess would balance this out for Georgia a little bit is the the nice the nice thing is the transfer portal, right? So um, yep. th- there's mm-hmm. I've already heard. I mean, obviously nothing official, but if if he wanted to. Derek King can enter the transfer portal. Yep, and, um, I've I've also heard uh, Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it's and we were talking about the possibility of him shipping out to Oregon last week. So mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely opportunity there, and Georgia is a huge school, which would uh, welcome any you know huge quarterback uh, transfer. So I, I think and we know uh, we know Xavier is a Jamie Newman fan. Yes, I right. would love <laughs> if he came to Georgia. Oh, you have no idea <laughs> yeah we already got his hype man on our show uh, yeah here, oh so. absolutely i'd be unbearable on twitter uh, <laughs> uh i that i mean look I, I i hope it happens so and i'm i think to be honest i think Fromm is going to be a better pro than he was in college mm-hmm. so and, and that's saying a lot because like uh like nick said he brought them to within a whisper of a national title game it's just that one damn to a throw and uh, you guys would have had it. And I think he made the right decision, too. Like, uh, I know some people were questioning him just a touch. But uh, I think, you know, if he if for whatever reason he doesn't go in the first round, which he will, um, unless he has some weird setback for this year, he has the Lloyd's of London insurance policy, where if he doesn't go in the first round, he gets an extra million bucks anyway. So um, I don't see I don't see him not going in the first in fact i don't see him not going uh inside the top 10 i think he's still going there somewhere but uh i think he made the right decision but what team lost the most talent nick uh well so we're we're still running uh all the numbers trying to i think they have until the 15th to declare right something like that yes yes Uh, but there, there are quite a few teams. I mean, pretty much every year, Alabama seems to have the largest number of players declare and, and, you know, losing Tua is sort of a, a unique thing for Alabama because they don't usually lose quarterbacks early. I mean, that, that's just not really been, hadn't really been an, an issue before, but they've never really had a quarterback quite as highly talented as Tua. So that, that'll be That'll be interesting, and, and they've lost, I, I want to say, five other guys already. Uh, two receivers, Judy and Ruggs, uh, Jedrick Will, Wills, who was the right tackle, uh, starting right tackle. They lost uh, Xavier. I, I, I always, when I see this name now, Xavier. Yeah, Xavier uh, McKinney. Xavier McKinney, right. I think. Uh, and, then, uh, and then they had a couple of guys who were seniors sit out the, the bowl game. But, yeah, it looks like... Uh, five five juniors leave early, and I think that's the most at the moment. But I, I did go through and just see, you know, what schools have lost three or more. And in addition to Alabama, there's Georgia, Miami, uh, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio State, Washington, and Wisconsin. Uh, if you're only looking at, you know, the the 22 uh, uh, starters, linemen, and, and skill position players, Auburn did lose. Uh, three guys, one of which is their punter, which was a little bit surprising. The second punter, I believe, that that left early. Uh, Arizona State had one as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, th- those teams are are uh, 
losing a big chunk and, and Alabama probably, uh, actually I, I would argue maybe Georgia hit the hardest because they lost yeah. three, three offensive linemen with eligibility. Uh, and, and then from, you know, longtime starting quarterback, more experienced than Tua. I mean, it's not as talented and, and, you know, not going to go as high as you would expect, uh, in, in the draft sounds like, you know, maybe a, second or third round uh, people that I've just heard, you know, throw, throw numbers out. I, I don't pay as much attention, obviously to, to NFL draft stuff, but uh, those, those two are probably hurt the most for sure. Uh, Wisconsin though, lost, lost some big guys. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is, is an all timer. Quintess Cephas, when he came back last year, really sort of helped them, uh, gave them a, an element that they were, sorely lacking in 2018 and and you know they're going to need somebody to step and fill that role in 2020 and then they also lost uh who a lot of people think is the top center in the nation so uh those three i would say probably were hit hardest so far and we still had as you said you know 10 or 12 days to to learn about some more that might leave i would throw washington in there um i think that losing eason for them significantly changes their outlook in, uh, for next season. I had them as my favorite in the Pac-12 coming into next year um, if Easton stayed. So at least for me, um, and I, I, I would say for a lot of other people, Easton leaving is huge for that program and for the landscape of the Pac-12 um, that you know he's leaving because I believe he would have been one of few returning starters at the quarterback position for the top teams in that conference anyways. So that's uh, at least for Washington, I think that's a humongous loss and one we'll, we'll, we'll have to definitely keep track of throughout the yeah, uh, Adam, offseason. Uh, Adams left and uh, Ahmed left. Salvin Ahmed mm-hmm. left. So right. that was uh, that was a weird one to me. So uh, Yeah, I, still unexpected. Yeah, yeah well, I, I just Peterson, didn't. So. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's true. So I just still thought it was a little bit unexpected because I think he could raise his draft stock by uh, coming back for another year. But uh We'll see. But let's dive into the games that, you know, we we were recording on the first. So we were recording in the middle of the Rose Bowl last week. So we got to review that one. And Oregon took it, Nick, 28-27. It was a fun game to watch. They sent out uh, Justin Herbert on a high note. And um, he scored the last touchdown on a 30-yard run as well. I mean, he's only 14 of 20 for 138 yards. And a pick, but he had a nice rushing day. Uh, he had uh, nine carries, 29 yards, and three scores on the ground. And uh, Wisconsin, we shot Jonathan Taylor crop up with the fumble problems again. He fumbled. Davis fumbled. Cone threw a pick. Uh, Lottie fumbled. They had a lot of turnovers in this game, and they still almost won it. So it was a fun Rose Bowl to watch, wasn't it? I, you know, never a doubt. I was never... I was never nervous. I, I knew <laughs> that Oregon, you know, our numbers, that was our last uh, of the, the normal uh, bowl season where our numbers thought the, the wrong team was favored. And uh, Oregon just proved it was the, the better team. No, I, that's, it, 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 was, uh, it was, I haven't looked back at the, you know, uh, a lot of guys that are smarter than me will put out uh, based on stats, you know, what was the post game win expectancy. And it was something I've seen everything from, you know, 25% to, to maybe even in the, the, you know, teens for Oregon, just a, a lot of turnovers luck, as you mentioned, uh, they recovered 
uh, what three fumbles that that Wisconsin lost and and uh, had a field position just complete uh, advantage in field position and, and so they were very very fortunate to win this game. Wisconsin probably should have, but uh, you know credit to Oregon they they came out on top and and Justin Herbert stepped up and three rushing touchdowns. I mean that's that's interesting. <laughs> you know uh, we we saw some some quarterbacks make some big plays uh on the ground uh, late in bowl season that we didn't necessarily expect and i would say justin herbert scoring three times including the 30 yarder was a little bit of a surprise to me but uh yeah great win for oregon uh the rose bowl certainly certainly meant a lot to them i think and and uh 12 wins great great uh, jumping off point heading into next year xavier was there ever doubt in your mind of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, genuinely, I thought early on Oregon looked really shaky. Um, and I know that Wisconsin, it was only 10-7 at the end of the first. And, you know, Oregon still had, it was still within the ball game. But early on, it honestly looked like Wisconsin had this kind of in hand. Uh, that they were, they just were playing better. They, they got the big play on the, uh, the kickoff return for a touchdown to really, you know, shock Oregon. And they, they really looked good uh, early on. And, Oregon kind of just rode the wave, and what is it with quarterbacks trying to boost their draft stock by showing that they have legs? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't watch I don't Lamar understand. Jackson. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, they're scared that their draft stock's going to plummet because they can't, you know, juke linebackers. But you know, um, no, I think this was a really good game. The Rose Bowl, obviously, you know, the granddaddy of them all, and I think that uh, ultimately we got a good game. I think that when the New Year's Six Bowls are good, it makes college football the college football coming to an end a little bit more bearable uh when we have bad games down the stretch or blowouts it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth as you go into the offseason so uh kudos to both teams for making a good game yeah i mean i absolutely agree with that i mean you finish on a high note uh in the last couple seconds of a national title game uh it's always uh, a, a fun offseason to just go back and remember that stuff where deshaun watson's throwing the touchdown and you know earmuffs to a throwing a touchdown uh <laughs> things like that so I, i'm with you on good bowl games and then the sugar bowl was good too uh your guys dogs win 26 14 over baylor and i was kind of aggravated in this game because a buddy of mine uh hit me up he's like so what's the deal with swift and i said well i can't imagine they're gonna not play him in this game this is probably his last game in college and he proceeds to get one carry and Zamir White had the big game because Cook got banged up a little bit, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh -huh. But it doesn't matter because George Pickens caught every pass. Uh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> 12 catches for 175 yards and a score. Uh, Fromm went out with two touchdowns. And uh, Matt Rule loses this game but, uh, you know, wins his money. So um, <laughs> I, I, he, he still had a great season. Baylor has no reason to hang their head at all. They had a fantastic season as well. But Nick did the did, – Georgia play as well as you thought they could have. Well, I think it was it was pretty encouraging, uh, given all the the uh, negative energy that's been going on around play calling and, and things like that on the offensive side. It was a good sign that the game plan was basically get the ball to George Pickens as much as possible, and you know you've got a five star guy who's a six five wide out who is probably the best player on the field um anytime he steps on and, and so to get him the ball 12 catches 175 yards uh is a good sign for sure uh i, I think that you know if, if pickens can 
uh, stay out of trouble. It sounded like he got in the doghouse a couple of different times during the the regular season, but uh, obviously, you know, seemed to to set himself up for success in the bowl game. So if if he's going to be able to uh, stay in good graces, he's going to be a weapon for Georgia to build around in the future. And uh, that's a, a great sign. The defense was as strong as, as it's been uh, all year. It's been one of the best in the country, for sure. Uh, and and they put you know they put Baylor in some uh, really tough spots. Only allowed 4.7 yards per pass attempt, 2.2 yards per run. Baylor really couldn't get anything going. And uh, some impressive performance. A nice way to to cap the year and and sort of you know, in the exact same situation last year, came up short of a playoff spot, uh, playing in the same same bowl game, Sugar Bowl, uh, laid an egg and, and really sort of uh, entered the offseason with a lot of negativity. You would much prefer come out and shut out your opponent in the first half, get a win over a good team, and, and uh, head into January on that note. Obviously, things have changed in the week since and, and uh, not quite as, as uh, jubilant as I'm sure uh, it was for uh, Xavier, who was there on the ground uh, for this game. But uh, overall, uh, good win for sure. Yeah, you had those killer seats, Xavier. Uh, you, sent yeah. us, you sent us some pictures. That, that must have been a fun game to be at, right? I mean, it would have been great if we could have filled out the stadium. I do feel a lot that uh, Georgia's fan base was a little bit of sour grapes. Uh, that stadium was the final total for that stadium uh, for game was fifty five thousand. I'm going to be honest with you; it didn't feel like there was fifty five thousand people in that stadium. Uh, but otherwise, it was a good game. Uh, I think that you know, I I, I should have talked to you earlier about the Swift thing. They they clearly weren't going to play him. Uh, they know that his draft stock is as high as it is, and you know they weren't going to give him make uh, an opportunity for him to get hurt. And it was clearly obvious, you know, he was running up and down the sidelines, kind of talking in the coaches' ears. They just weren't hearing it. Um, but it was nice to see uh, Zamir White and uh, Kenny McIntosh kind of, you know, show the future of Georgia running. Uh, um, obviously, next to James Cook and uh, incoming freshman as well. And it was nice to see them open up the playbook. They blew the dust off of passing plays. It was it was actually quite nice to see. Um, you know, that first half was was weird. I was sitting, every Georgia fan I was sitting around was like, "Where has this been all year?" And and the the most frustrating part I think about it was that the passing the passes weren't like overly impressive. They weren't like deep throws or reading two or three guys. It was like George Pickens, run three yards, turn around and make a play. And we were like, yeah, we could have done this against AM. Uh, you know, <laughs> we could have done this against Auburn. It, it wouldn't have been that difficult. Um, but no, it was it was a good game. I think Fromm showed what he could do when you kind of allow him to have the uh, you know, the reins on the offense. Um, and I think that, you know, for anybody who watched that game as a Georgia recruit, they saw they saw what James Coley might be looking to do more so next season. Um, obviously, now that we will have a first-year starter, um, leaning on guys like George Pickens and Zamir White will be imperative um, going into next season. So hopefully that's more to come. Uh, and the defense, luckily for us, although the offensive guys have decided to all leave, it seems like the defensive guys have all said we're coming back. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like it's going to be kind of more of the same next season. Uh, great defense and uh, mediocre offense. Yippee. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Another, a, a season full of 21 sevens again, you know, uh, yeah. so uh, let, let everybody okay. feel bad for you when you're going to go into next year ranked inside the top 10 and probably well, we get a ridiculous Bama next transfer. year. So yeah. uh, Bama in week three. Yeah. That's like, great news. Well, we're gonna, <laughs> I think we're going to have LSU in week two. 
So I still don't feel bad for yeah. you. So but Sam Ellinger comes back next year, baby. Yeah. I don't know why he was thinking about going yeah. pro. Like he must be frustrated, <laughs> you know, because right now he's Tim Tebow. So, you know, I just don't I don't see him being a fantastic pro, but we'll see. Uh, he's got, I think, 4000 yards and 40 touchdowns to break Colt McCoy's record. So he's going to have to have a big 2020 to uh, put himself number one among Texas uh, quarterbacks. But uh, let's go over to the Tax Slayer Bowl, where the Volunteers, Xavier, win 23-22 yeah. over Indiana. Uh, were you, were you, how unhappy were you at this win here? I caught that game with Indiana up. I believe it was like 22 to, I think it was 22 to 10 or 22 to 7. And I was like, ha-ha, they've done it again. They've ended the season <laughs> off just like they started the season with a loss. Uh, they pulled it out. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. And uh, for the first time all season, I actually had to see happy Tennessee fans on my Twitter timeline. Um, it was a kind of a depressing, depressing time. Uh, but you know, kudos to them. They they wrote they you know they ride the ship. They, you know, obviously everybody thought that their season was over after losing to BYU, me included. Uh, they finish off the season eight and five, and you know the big orange nation or whatever they call themselves is definitely excited for next season. Um, whether that's over excitement um, or a little bit of ignorance, hey. Tennessee fans being excited is always great because then the downfall makes them feel even better. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> that's not, that's worse than me talking about Oklahoma and A&M. At least I give those teams a little credit on occasion. Uh, Nick, uh, Eric Gray, big game here. I mean, are we seeing the building blocks uh, to making uh, Tennessee great again? Yeah, I, I think I think they're stepping in the right direction. I, I have been working on a, a piece for uh, fansided.com about uh, way too early 2020 rankings. And, and I'm trying to go through and, and uh, make my, my very best guess on what our numbers are going to say. Uh, and Tennessee is squarely in the top 25 and probably within the top 20. And they, they certainly have some questions. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily sold on uh, Jarrett Garantano. Uh, I'm not sure that Tennessee is sold on Jarrett Garantano at, at quarterback. And and so until they get that figured out, um, maybe they don't necessarily have what it takes to compete for uh, a division title. But if they can get consistency either out of him or, you know, one of the younger guys steps up and, and takes control of the job, I, I do think just speculatively that Garantano might be a candidate to sort of look elsewhere as, as a graduate transfer or something like that. Uh, and it might be best for both of them if, if it were to work out that way. But um, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to lose uh, some receivers. And that's, that's a little bit of an issue because receiver returning production is more highly correlated to future success than any other position group, which seems strange, but that's what the that's what the numbers tell us. So uh, that that's a little bit of a concern. The offensive line is going to be in in really good shape. We haven't heard yet uh, officially if Trey Smith is going to declare for the NFL draft, but even if he does, it seems like there's a good chance that you know Cade May's former five star Georgia signee and and guy that started 18 games uh, for Georgia is going to step in and, and you would have to think, you know, again, speculatively that if his father is suing the university, that probably is a case to, to get a waiver to be immediately eligible. So if he slides into a spot, even if Smith, uh, leaves, then you've got five guys 
returning that have uh, full-time starting experience uh, there in the, in the offensive line. And then defensively, they lose a couple of seniors. I mean, the linebacker is going to be uh, a little bit thin, but uh, Jeremy Pruitt is a, is a really good uh, defensive coach, and, and they've recruited well on that side of the ball. And, and I think they're going to be uh, a dangerous team for sure. And, and you know, they, they certainly have picked up momentum coming into the, the second half of the season. They've won, what, six in a row now or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that – you know, that's good. That's not necessarily different than we saw Tennessee under Butch Jones. They had a a weak second half of the season a few times and and really sort of picked up steam and found themselves in the preseason top 25 and it didn't necessarily work out. But I think that the building blocks, as you said, Scott, I I think are uh, sort of in place that this is a team that can perhaps carry this over and be a top 25 type team next year. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> I mean it's weird you know as, as I was the going, train begins. how many top 25 teams you got for next year Nick that's what I want to uh 25 <laughs> <laughs> but uh no but as I was as I was writing that that piece and it comes out I think the day after the national championship game and, and obviously I have some some updates to make on all these stupid NFL draft people but uh <laughs> the uh I do feel really weird because I'm going to go ahead and and put it out there that the teams that are – here's some of the teams in my top 25, right? Uh, Notre Dame, right? As expected, but they're they're squarely a top 10 team, which might be higher than some would expect. Uh, Texas, USC, Tennessee, Texas A&M (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> so uh, a lot of the teams that people are going to look at and say, oh, my God, here comes the the hype machine again. And, and believe me, if, if I if I could uh, do something to, to take some of that heat off of myself, I would. But that's just the way it's going to shake out. Those teams are trending up in in our numbers, at least. So we'll see how it all shakes out for sure. But but yeah, some of those some of those teams are definitely teams that I'm going to be higher on, maybe than the the general uh, college football fan would be. Now I'm going to lump the other four games kind of together, and, and if you guys want to uh, hit on these, I mean the Birmingham Bowl was a stomping. It was the Desmond Ritter Bowl for real. I mean. 38-6, to six, Cincinnati beats Boston College. There was a lengthy weather delay in this one because Boston College was in a bowl game, of course. Uh, Dylan didn't play, and David Bailey was held to uh, 28 rushing yards. So not a great game there. Ohio uh, goes over Nevada 30-21 to 21 in the Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, this game was uh, kind of a, uh, you know, Carson Strong. Put, put together a great performance here, 402 yards and a touchdown in that one. But Ohio and Nathan Rourke walk away with the W in this one mm-hmm. um, on his way out. And then um, Southern Miss goes down to Tulane, 30-13 to in the Armed Forces Bowl. And we were all right about Miami of Ohio not being for real as Lafayette beats them, 27-17. to So, uh, Nick, I mean, what do you think about uh, any of these four bowl games here? Well, I, I think I think things might get worse at Boston College before they get better. I think they've made some good hires in their uh, coaching change. You know, brought over the uh, co-defensive coordinator in Ohio State. He seems to be building out a, a pretty impressive staff. But just looking at their roster and, and sort of how things are shaping up for next year, 
it's it's really thin. I mean, I do think David Bailey has a chance to be a really really good running back, and they do have some some uh, good you know building blocks on the offensive line, but they're just they're they're pretty thin. Uh, you know, it's I, I don't expect Boston College to be a bowl team next year. If if you were to ask me uh, to to say yes or no on that today, I, I I don't see that from their roster, and they certainly didn't look like it in the bowl game. And, and Cincinnati uh, was a team that I was more wrong about than just about anybody. I, I think that uh, our preseason ratings had them uh, favored in six games. And part of that was a, a much more difficult regular season schedule. Um, but part of that, I guess we just didn't give them enough credit for what they did in, in 2018. And, and Cincinnati was really, really good this year and if michael warren comes back which you know we haven't heard for sure it sounded like maybe he might be a a candidate to jump to the nfl early but if he comes back i mean they're they're going to be set up for a lot of success next year as well so cincinnati is a team that would be knocking on the door of my top 25 which is kind of rare honestly for for a group of five teams because we do the way we structure it if if people out there you know listeners don't know it's it's based on who would be favored on a neutral field it's not that we expect this team to to finish ranked in the top 20. It, it's purely based on roster strength and, and team strength just as a whole. But Cincinnati is is a team, a, a top 30 team legitimately, and, and that's pretty impressive because we take, uh, you know, we don't rate group of five teams very highly usually. So uh, they're really, really good. Uh, the other games, man, there was some weird clock management at the end of the uh, Potato Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nevada... Mm-hmm. We, from a, we'll, we'll break down all the numbers, how we fared against the spread and all that stuff uh, next week. But uh, Nevada gave us a gift. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so we saw Ohio is a huge favorite uh, compared to what the market did. And, and Nevada should have uh, made this closer than a, a nine point differential on an eight and a half point uh, spread. So. Uh, thank you, I guess, to Jay Norvell for for some questionable decision making there. But uh, everything else went, you know, fairly as expected. I expected Southern Miss to keep it a little closer, and it was looking good early. It took a thirteen nothing yeah. lead, uh, but uh, you know, everything else played out played out fairly well. I mean, Louisiana. I think I said my eyes told me that they would blow out uh, Miami, and, and certainly that didn't didn't happen. Um, so that was a, a little bit of a, I guess, a disappointment. Uh, although our numbers did have it as a, uh, you know, had Miami covering 14 and a half or, or whatever it was. So that ended up working out, but, uh, I thought Louisiana probably should have maybe put that away earlier. What were your thoughts on any of these games, Javier? Well, first off, let's talk about the potato bowl. I think that they <laughs> easily had the best celebration of any bowl game all year. To get fries dumped on you is like a dream. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah. Okay. They, 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 got, they, they dumped French fries on him after the I saw Cheez-Its got dumped on uh, on uh, Leach for the Cheez-It Bowl. And there yeah, were yeah, Frosted yeah. Flakes in the Sun Bowl as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good on those. G- give me some French fries. <laughs> Next time, make them curly as well. That would be tough. I would be, I'd be ecstatic as a head coach. I'd also be like, you know, my cholesterol would go through the roof. But uh, I think ULL – you know, made a statement. And for me, they come into next year as one of the favorites in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, they, they barely lost a Sun Belt uh, championship this year to a, obviously an historic 
uh, Ash State team who finished uh, ranked this year. So obviously that's something that we have to look forward to. The um, I'm sorry, Levi Lewis, if I'm not mistaken, is their starting quarterback. That's he's coming right. back for his. He's coming back for his senior year. He looked really good, and uh, he looked. And, and nobody take this way too far. This is just from watching the bowl game. Uh, he looked a little Russell Wilson esque in the pocket. Um, against Miami, he uh, using his feet to ultimately make great passes downfield where uh, he made some really Houdini-like moves in the pocket. It was really fun to watch. Uh, so they have, they're coming in as uh, my favorite next year for the Sun Belt, uh, you know, returning that talent. You know, they're very young on uh, both sides of the ball. They have a lot of returning talent. Uh, they're losing one receiver to graduation, I think two defensive tackles, and I think that may be it. They may be losing one in the secondary as well. But uh, that's going to be a really good team. Uh, I don't know if they'll run the table like App State did this year, but they do play Missouri in Missouri next year. Um, I'm excited to see what happens in that ball game and see, you know, uh, if a Sun Belt team can beat another, can beat the SEC team again for what would I think be the third or fourth year in a row. Um, other than that, uh, the rest of the games kind of went how I expected them to, um, as Nick said. So, yeah, just that. Yeah, I mean, um, one one point on. Louisiana, they they do lose four starters on the offensive line, including one ah, so, who is an All-American. Kevin Dotson's going to be, uh, it sounds like, a, a fairly high uh, draft pick, a, you know, day two kind of guy. Uh, so that that is an issue, but, you know, they they uh, hopefully can can rebuild that. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll certainly be dangerous. I agree with you 100%. Or are we positive that um, Robert Hunt isn't going to try to get a medical? Since he's been out since week 12? Or since he's been out since the end of the season? Are we sure he's not going to try to get a gray shirt? Uh, I don't know uh, if that would come, through, but it would be really tough. But just I saw Daniel uh, Jeremiah talking him up today, so I doubt it. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's going to go to the next level. So, But uh, Levi Lewis is like Russell Wilson, like Xavier is like Denzel. So that, that's that's what, what I would say about Just 25 that. years is young. Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell are are a pretty good one-two punch uh, running back. They're they're going to be dangerous. I agree. Um, let, let's talk about the national championship game because that's what people are here for. It's the last game of the season. Uh, it's two undefeated teams. It's going to be an unbelievably exciting game. Clemson and LSU in New Orleans. The line opened up, and I think I said this last week, and I well, I think we all said it, but uh, LSU is favored by almost a touchdown six. That line hasn't moved. Uh, it moved by a half a point on the over-under down to 69.5. 80% of the spread money is on LSU. 57% of the straight-up money is on Clemson. And on the over-under, it is going under way more than it is over 68% to 32%. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to give you the floor here to kind of break down the, the national championship and, um, you know, how do we think it's going to play out? And are we going to go by I'm assuming we're going to go by position here. So lead the way. Well, I mean, just, just initial thoughts. And we spent a little bit of time last week talking about it. And and uh, I think if you've listened to us before, it, it is not a shock to, to know that we have Clemson favored in this game. And that is something that I, I've been struggling with a little bit internally, honestly. I mean, I, I want to trust our numbers, and, and Clemson stacks up very, very well. They rank third in roster strength. They rank third in team performance. Uh, they've outgained their opponents 
by 3.3 yards per play this year. That means, you know, if you take their uh, yards per play on offense and subtract the yards per play they allow on defense, which I think is a pretty good proxy for how well a team uh, is playing overall, they're best, the best in the country by about a quarter of a yard, which is, which is huge. And LSU is third in that metric. Uh, but the, the difference there, LSU's, uh, net yards per play is 2.86. That's over or, or almost, uh, half a yard, which would be the difference. If you're just looking at net yards per play, Temple has the same differential, uh, as far as that margin and they rank 54th in the country. And so for the margin between Clemson and LSU to be what would just rank 54th on the, you know, on the surface, I don't know if that makes sense. It might not, you know, to, to compare the two or, or might be different, but that, that just struck out, you know, just stuck out to me that, that Clemson has been sort of at a different level as far as just pure, dominance and and some of that of course as we've mentioned several times uh there's a big reason we haven't talked a lot of clemson this year is they've just been in in lopsided matchups they've been blowing everybody out but on the other hand they have i think covered eight in a row against the spread and and so that's impressive in itself and and uh they just you know for, for whatever reason they're not as sexy as lsu obviously lsu is is just putting up historic numbers offensively uh clemson has has been very very good on offense but but they've really uh their most impressive side of the ball has been the defense and and that sometimes gets overlooked and and i certainly think uh the lack of sort of premier matchups had something to do with clemson maybe being overlooked and and i know last week we talked about uh, perhaps that was why lsu uh, maybe the market is sort of clamoring for LSU uh, because they've they've been so impressive. And we've seen them in big games. They beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They they blew out uh, Georgia. They blew out Oklahoma. Clemson uh, was down early to Ohio State. They got two you know really sort of controversial calls that went their way that seemed to maybe flip momentum a little bit. So uh, when people put all that together, you think, okay, well, LSU is the better team. Who could possibly uh, beat LSU? And and we go down, you know, we'll go through and talk different positions. They're very, very close, but LSU has a slight edge in, in a lot of different areas. You could say LSU, you know, probably the quarterbacks should consider maybe even, but Joe Burrow has just been uh, basically – seems like a pro on on a college field this year so he's you know uh just sort of at a different level uh and their wide receivers have been incredible uh and they have one of the most talented secondaries in the country bar none so uh everywhere else they're they're pretty even but i would say lsu has an edge in in those three key areas and i could certainly see lsu uh winning this game i could see them winning by two touchdowns, but uh, our numbers think that Clemson is is slightly better. We give the Clemson coaching staff uh, an edge. They're our number one rated. Uh, Devo Sweeney's our number one rated head coach as far as our numbers go, and and I think the staff as a whole. I mean, Brent Venables is arguably the best defensive coordinator in the country from a schematic standpoint. The adjustments that he's made, uh, he's installed basically a, a, a new 
uh, base defense this year, just sort of based on, you know, what they're seeing and the personnel that they've got. And uh, I, I sort of trust him to, you know, he's got two weeks to prepare for LSU. And, and I, I think that he uh, might, you know, maybe throw some things at, them that they uh, haven't dealt with this year. I mean, they've certainly got plenty of talent, uh, even though I think that LSU has maybe a stronger secondary. Clemson's is very, very good. I mean, top five for sure. Uh, they can match up athletically. Everybody is six one or taller. Uh, who's going to be on the field as a corner? You know, that's going to give LSU's uh, receivers something they haven't had to deal with on a week to week basis. They've certainly dealt with it. Uh, at times, but you know, uh, Clemson's secondary is, is a lot better than Oklahoma's was. That's for sure. Uh, Clemson is very athletic up front. LSU is certainly bigger, uh, but Clemson is is you know uh, has arguably the best uh, defensive player in the country at their disposal. And Isaiah Simmons. I mean, they're they're. I recently heard uh, Tom Fernelli, a CBS Sports. Uh, a podcast uh, that is one of my favorites is the, the cover three podcast. And uh, he brought up a few weeks ago when they were just talking after the national championship or, or after the semifinals. Uh, and he compared Isaiah Simmons to Brian Erlocker. And I thought at Boy. first, like that's, Oh, that's sort of ridiculous. Right. But then you think about it. And, and, and I was thinking about Erlocker in college which people, you know, he was he was very overlooked. He went to New Mexico, but he played all over the field. He returned kicks. He, you know, he, yeah, he, he was played more safety, that, didn't he? He mm-hmm. did. He played. He played safety. Uh, uh, but he was just he was kind of somebody that you could put in any situation, and, and he would take care of that. You know, Isaiah Simmons uh, early on against Ohio State, they were uh, giving Clemson some trouble, uh, you know, down in, in the, in the middle part of the field. Uh, and, and later in the game, they decide, okay, you know, Isaiah Simmons, we're going to need to, uh, shift you a little bit, you know, move you to, to more of a safety role. And that was able to solve some of their problems. So he's somebody that, you know, they see, okay, this is, this is going wrong. Like, you know, this guy is, is getting exposed or, uh, you know, whatever it is, we're not lining up right. Or, or, you know, this, this guy just doesn't quite get it. They can sort of move Simmons into, into two or three different spots, you know, have their, their choice of two or three different spots and say, okay, you take care of this, you lock it down and we'll figure out everything else around you. And that's worked for Clemson. Will it work against somebody that's as elite, uh, just no weaknesses as LSU? I'm not so sure, but, uh, I, I see basically I'm, I'm, I'm giving, as I always do, a long-winded way of saying <laughs> that I have no idea what's going to happen because I could see Clemson basically repeating what happened last year against yeah. Alabama. Uh, oh, Alabama is the, the best team in college football history. And then Clemson, uh, you know, the final score, 44-16, to 16, wasn't necessarily indicative of, of how close that game really was. But I could see uh, this game playing in a, in a similar way. On the other hand, I could see LSU coming in and saying, you know, uh, you, you had, just haven't seen anything like us before. And LSU make a stamp as, okay, we are arguably the best team in college football history. If they come out and, and blow out Clemson, they might have a case for that. I mean, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, we could argue, is this the best single season that any quarterback has had in college football history? If he comes out, 
and puts up the, the same type of performance that he's had, uh, not even what he had last week or two weeks ago against Oklahoma, because that was just unreal. How could he? Uh, right. <laughs> but if he puts up even an average, you know, if he puts up 370 yards and three, four touchdown passes, I mean, the the, the numbers he's going to finish with are, are among the very, very best. And he's done it at a higher level than a lot of those, uh, you know, air raid or run and shoot quarterbacks that are up on the top of the, the list, the Texas Techs and the Houstons and the Hawaii's and, and those sort of guys. He's done it a different way and against tougher competition. So I think he certainly can make a case. Cam Newton still is my number one, just as an aside. But yeah. but I think that that Joe Burrow certainly could could make that case if this game is an LSU win by, you know, two touchdowns, 17, something like that. So I could see any of those things happening. I could see a very close game. Personally, I'm hoping for a very close game uh, because this is partly, I don't think we've gotten into this before, but partly why I'm so interested in in 2020 is because, uh, one, New Hampshire, hey, uh, we uh, have legalized sports betting, so I can, <laughs> I can talk about this. I can talk about this a little more uh, up front than, than perhaps I have in the past now because, uh, because yes, uh, it, it has arrived. And one of the first things, they're already up, I think. Uh, DraftKings, I think, has uh, 2020 national championship odds. So I, have, I was able to get a few shares of uh, LSU at something like 25 to 1 uh, this time last year. So uh, I, I would love if LSU were to win this game, but I would also uh, love if they were to win it by, you know, if they were to win but not cover, uh, because I think Clemson, you know, again, our numbers, I, I believe in our numbers. So, so I uh, uh, do also have an interest in Clemson plus uh, six here. So I uh, would love to see a, a great game, would love to see a close game. I think these teams are very evenly matched. Clemson's defense and LSU's offense is going to be a show to watch for sure uh, from a coaching standpoint, from a player talent standpoint. I mean, every every position group is is among the very best in college football, and that's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, I hope we're treated to a ga- uh, great game. Uh, our numbers have Clemson winning uh, 35-31, so we see it fairly high scoring but still on the under. Uh, do have uh, quote unquote the wrong team favored so we are tracking that and and uh, those numbers have been pretty good for us this year so uh feel good about it uh but i could see it going any number of ways but but think at this point that there's some value on clemson uh to repeat and uh you know this would be what 30 in a row so pretty pretty impressive yeah i mean if they if they win you know it's going to be one of those things where we're talking about uh, is this one of the best teams in college football history for sure? Uh, Xavier, I want to ask you a question. I want as quick as an answer as you can give me, just off the top of your head, no thinking. Does this game okay. go over or under? Over. Then you're taking LSU. Absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have not taken them all year. Oh, well, and, and, and I have not taken them. I thought about it really, really hard because I do agree with Nick. I think that Clemson, you know, I've looked at the numbers. I think that Clemson comes in as a really good team. They've been here before. For me, as a former player, that counts for a lot because jitters makes people play differently. Playing under big stages makes people play differently. And there's no bigger stage than a national championship game. The other part is you're playing at home. 
there are zero excuses for LSU in this ballgame. That stadium is probably going to be around 60-40, 65-35, regardless of how you feel uh, is going to happen. That's what it's going to be because uh, it's going to be similar to when Georgia played Alabama. And, well, they and, don't and have to save up for Saints tickets anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Yes, yes. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Don't, don't, don't give me a nap, friend. I'm a Falcons fan. That's lovely. Uh, but um, that, that counts so much for me. Um, you know, I, I believe so much in Dabo. You know, I talked about Venable to, you know, to my, I was blue into the face about, you know, him and his defense against Ohio State uh, when we talked about the semifinal games and how much I respect him and his ability to adjust under pressure and make changes when necessary. Um, it never seems flustered defensively, no matter how potent these offenses are. Um, but LSU has just, I don't know. You know, they, they call teams teams of destiny sometimes. And LSU at every turn this year, has just been amazing. You know, their only game that they played rather poorly was their game against Auburn, where they won 28-23. Um, you know, you could look at the defense and say the defense has been up, had played bad in the first eight games. Since then, they've been, you know, lights out since the Alabama game. Uh, you know, all that talent has finally decided that they want to play football. You know, um, that, that's been really fun to watch. Joe Burrow, although I personally think he's overrated. Um uh, is the best quarterback in college football this season. Um, I think that, you know, Ed Orgeron and his crawfish, whether it's 15 pounds or 25 pounds, I don't know what the exact number is. It's going to get it done, um, and it's going to be one heck of a party on the French Quarter and on Bourbon Street um, after the game. Uh, I just don't see where Clemson gets it done unless they start fast. Um, I don't see where they have the ability to keep up with this um, LSU offense, one of which which uh, you know rivals many offenses in the history of college football, let alone uh, you know just this season. So I don't see it uh, happening for Clemson. Um, so I'm going to go against the numbers, go with LSU here to not only go over, but yeah, to cover as well. Um, you know, and it pains me to say that as a Georgia fan because my dad's going to be a very happy camper when he comes back home from the game. But hey, <laughs> I got to be honest on the podcast. I can't always be a homer. LSU just looks really, really good. Yeah, I mean, this game, I keep going back and forth in my head about it because my head tells me, and that's kind of what I think uh, the pick should be. I feel like this game goes under because I just can't see another, you know, unbelievable seven touchdown performance from Joe Burrow against this team that has won, you know, 29 games in a row Clemson. So it's, it's tough for me to sit here and say, I think LSU is going to win, but my gut tells me I can't pick against that offense and what Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow has been able to do. And it's funny. I was listening to an NFL draft podcast the other day with uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, and they were talking about how, they don't they just don't ever remember a single season turnaround for a quarterback in the history of college football where a guy looks so average like Joe Burrow did last year to he, he had like four games under uh, 60% completion and a couple under 50% completions last year mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any under 60 this year and he has a couple over 75 so it's just crazy. he's gonna he's gonna set an NCAA record for a completion percentage. Right, he's he's, he's like quarterback. <clears throat> he's like uh, eight, you know, eight percentage points or or, or you know, point eight, uh, point oh eight ahead of of uh, the all time record right now. I mean, he's going to set a a, 
a record. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So it, it's tough for me to pick against him. He just looks like a completely different player. He looks so locked in right now. Yeah. I mean, he just he looks like he's rip roaring ready to go. And I feel like it would take turnovers for Clemson to beat LSU. And while I do think Clemson is absolutely uh, capable of getting turnovers, I don't see Burrow committing them. I think they would have to be fumbles by the whiteouts, the, uh, you know, or the running backs or something of that nature. It'd have to be, uh, you know, a punt return fumble or something like that. Like I feel like that is going to be the difference in this game are, you know, one or two mistakes because both these teams, you know, there's a reason why they're both undefeated coming into this game. And I just can't, I cannot pick against LSU. So I'm going to pick LSU, but I think it goes under and I would absolutely not take them against the spread. I think six points is not giving Clemson enough credit at all. I think like we talked about last week, this is the line that the public will take because you've seen LSU play so well and you're not giving Clemson the credit that they deserve that the, they they deserve right now. So in my mind, I'm going to take LSU in a closer game. I think it's I, I like this final score prediction that you have, Nick. I just think I would reverse it is all. Mm. So I, I'd be fine by me. Be fine I by think me. I go LSU 35, Clemson 31, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't see it getting up to 70 points. And if it does, I think maybe LSU put, you know, tax on an extra touchdown at the end to, to yeah. beat the spread or something like that. But, uh, I don't know. It's going to be a fantastic game. I cannot wait for Monday to come around. I am so excited <laughs> about this game. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually kind of terrified about the game. <laughs> and the reason why is, like Nick said, and like we talked about earlier, you know, good football games kind of matter to the neutral. And, man, watching LSU this year has not been fun to watch if you're a neutral. It's been really boring. Uh, you know, they jump out 21-7, to 7 and you already, you know, turn the channel. Because you know what's going to happen next. It's going to be another touchdown for LSU. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I'm really hoping that Clemson does show up, you know, it, Honestly, for me, I'd love to say Clemson will win this ballgame. I wouldn't like to hear Dabo afterwards talking about, you know, how they were the doubted team all season because I can't stand when coaches go after the media. (laughs) I mean, this is our job. You know, we have to get paid to coach. You can't just, you know, ride your wave (laughs) all year long. You almost lost to a North Carolina team. So we can't just, you know, completely just call Clemson the the all greats that they have been over the last 29 games. But um, I want to see Clemson play a good game. And I'd love to see Sunshine. And if you guys don't know who that is, Trevor Lawrence, you know, have a really good game because uh, I've, I've been watching him since he was a sophomore in high school. So so I like these questions that you put down here at the, the bottom here, Nick. So let, let's do these real quick before we go. Um, if LSU wins, is Joe Burrow, uh, is this the best season a quarterback has ever had in college football? It's it's very similar to the Cam Newton season. And Cam Newton sort of revolutionized the quarterback position in college football in 2010, just the way that they used him basically as a battering ram. Uh, And Gus Malzahn, the offensive coordinator at Auburn, uh, did some things that were new and exciting at the time to utilize uh, sort of a generational talent. Uh, And we only got one year of it. So it just sort of sticks out that we didn't see – you know, we didn't see Joe Burrow's 2018 where, you know, coming into this year, there was a thought, OK, who's who's the uh, the third best quarterback in the SEC behind 
Tua and Fromm. Is it Burrow? Is it Felipe Franks? Is it Kellen Mond? That was a legitimate, you know, sports talk radio uh, debate in the summer months. You know, who's it going? Who, who's third best in the SEC? So, uh, you know, we, we've seen Burrow not be this season's just uh, incredible historic Joe Burrow. Uh, so that that sort of for, for some reason, unfortunately. Uh, it makes me think that that maybe it should still be Cam Newton, in my opinion. Uh, but Joe Burrow has a case. I mean, the numbers he's put up against uh, some of the most talented defenses in the country are, are just crazy. I mean, they're just ridiculous. I mean, he he if he throws uh, for four touchdowns, he'll set the FBS single season touchdown record. Uh, he's 625 yards shy of the single season FBS uh, passing yardage record. Uh, he's probably not going to get that against Clemson's defense, but, uh, you know, to, to be within striking distance of those, you know, Mike Leach, Texas Tech uh, quarterbacks is, is kind of crazy when you're playing Florida and Alabama and Georgia and, you know, Oklahoma, even though they, they weren't as good as, as uh, you know, most uh of those SEC defenses, they're, they're still talented. I mean, they, they still have guys that were four-star guys, uh, but Perot just hasn't been, you know, Auburn slowed him down a little bit, but he still put up 300 yards, right? So uh, it, it's been very impressive. And uh, it was interesting what Xavier said about, you know, kind of boring how they would just come out and, and get up and, and, you know, jump on somebody and it's like, okay, well, what else is on? And and I, there were times when it was like that, but there were also times where I sat back and was just sort of, uh, you know, just sort of awestruck almost. Just like to see an offense clicking at this level is something that I just haven't haven't seen. And, and it does sort of remind me, you know, it's not that they're necessarily doing revolutionary things. I mean, I know that they're doing NFL concepts and Joe Brady brought things from the Saints and, and they've been working that stuff in and, and all that. I get that. But just the, the execution has been incredible. And that's uh, partly why I'm so impressed by that completion percentage. I mean, completion percentage in modern college football is, is not what it once was because you can do the little uh, you know, the little chess pass almost on the jet sweep and, and that counts as a completed pass. And, you know, the screen game is, is much more utilized, but Joe Burrow goes down the field and he right. throws, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he throws down the field and, and to be completing 78% of your passes. Uh, and, and he's, he's got just wide open guys. I mean, multiple, you know, and that, that part of it is coaching part of it is talent. Uh, but, just ah oh man, they've been so fun to watch. So he's up there. I think it's it's uh, he definitely has a strong case. Depending on what happens in this game, if if he goes out and and LSU blows out Clemson and he has another just excellent statistical performance, then then he might he might get that spot for me. Uh, but uh, at this point, I, I probably still lean uh, Cam Newton. I'm I mean, gonna tell you. I, I, I was going to ask, I mean, is this even a question we can ask Xavier since he's 12 <laughs> years old? I mean, have you seen enough quarterbacks? No, I mean, I, I, think, I think I've done enough homework to know so that. He's a, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I, 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 I would still take Cam, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think Cam did more with less. Um, Good point. You, you look at that uh, Auburn team, and I just did. 
Uh, you look at the Auburn team and you look at the defense of that team. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run down a few names. And I want you to tell me if any of these guys are in the NFL from their leading tacklers. Josh Bynes, Zach Etheridge, Nico Thorpe, Craig Stevens, and Nick Fairley. Thorpe, Thorpe and Bynes are. I know that for sure. So, so I want to – I just want to preface that by – if you look at this LSU defense coming into the season, that is what we all talked about. Uh, we talked about Grand Delpit. We talked about Divinity. We talked about Fulton. Uh, we didn't know that Stingley was going to be as good as he was, but he was a highly touted freshman coming into the season. So uh, it's not completely shocking to see what he's doing. And also, LSU has had great teams before. They just have never had quarterbacks. And we knew if LSU could get a quarterback that this season, maybe not exactly how it is or how it's been, was possible. Um, we knew that they could run the table and win a national championship. All they've been missing is a quarterback. We didn't know Auburn could do anything. Up until the point that Cam Newton stepped on campus and and took the entire SEC by surprise, um, so for me that's why Cam still gets the run for me because although if you look at it statistically, Burrow has completely destroyed him in in in, in most statistical uh, numbers outside of run, rush yards. Um, you have to look at the teams that both have been played for. Um, even when you look at his receiving core, LSU's always had great receivers. Uh, so to an extent, well, who's he's been throwing to are athletes that have always been there. They just needed somebody to get them the football consistently. Um, they, they, we know the, the receivers that they've put out, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, just to say a few. Uh, you know, and, and so I feel like this, it hasn't been as impressive as Cam. Don't get me wrong. It's been impressive to watch him dice up all of these great defenses. But Cam did it with an Auburn team that I'd say nobody was expecting to do what they did coming to the year. Where if you ask a couple people, you know, in and around the SEC this year, they could have said, well, LSU might contend uh, for an SEC championship. So I think Cam still holds that because of that reason. Are we talking about uh, just national title quarterbacks here? No. Uh, because Lamar I, Jackson I is still amazing. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. true, right? That's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. And, and, he, he did some incredible things, absolutely. And name me the pros that Vince Young played for, played with in, <laughs> in 2005. I mean, Jamal Charles was on that team, but he yeah, wasn't he was. the, the Jamal Charles that we saw in Kansas City. And after that, uh, his leading receiver national championship year in 2005 was David Thomas with 50 catches. So, uh, Billy Pittman had 750 yards. So, I mean, these aren't household names either. So I think there are some other good quarterbacks that we can contend with, but I mean, it's tough to argue against Joe Burrow. You just look at these raw numbers, uh, 5,208 passing yards, 55 touchdowns to six interceptions. Insane. He even tacked on four rushing touchdowns um, and uh, one reception and 311 rushing yards. So he's got to be up there. If it's not the best season ever, it's damn close. That's what I would say. And I I could say he could go out there and throw four picks and lose this game. And this is still one of the best uh, quarterbacks that we've seen in college football history. On the other end of this, um, Clemson, if Clemson wins, is this the best probably two-year stretch that we've seen a college football team have? I would have to say yes on that as well, right, Nick? It's it's oh. been incredible. <laughs> it's been incredibly impressive. I mean, the thing that uh, unfortunately, and it and it sort of plays into what Xavier was talking about, how how uh, Dabo is sort of been beating the drum on, you know, we're, we're the underdog, we're disrespected, we're little old Clemson, that, that sort of thing. 
And on this point, he he has a point because Clemson has you know was not the number one team in the country uh, for most of of 2018. If I'm not sure, even they were no, because Alabama was number one uh, until the national championship. Clemson was second all year, and then this year uh, they they come off a great season, start the year ranked number one by the Associated Press, but then just kept falling and falling, second, third, fourth enter this as the third and we think of like the great teams or i do at least of of, uh sort of the wire to wire and and you know they were number one the whole way through clemson if they if they were to win this will have been number one uh in five of the the games that it played over that 30 game winning streak they would have been the number one ranked team in the country that that's that's interesting to me because they they uh, have not been considered the best team of this year, either of the last two years for for most of it. And then to to at the end, if they were to win this game, look back and you think, man, that that Clemson team has been so dominant uh, that that you know they could be in that conversation uh, just from a, from a dynasty standpoint. I mean, think back, you know, they they won a national championship. Uh, after the 2016 season. So this would be three out of four for them. They were in the, the championship game the season before. Uh, they were in the playoff that, that sort of sandwich season in, tw- in 2017. So from a, a five-year stretch, uh, if Clemson were to win this, I mean, that that's you know not just two-year stretch. That's one of the best five-year stretches that comes to the top of my mind. I mean, that that's pretty much, you know, close. that's closing in on uh, what we've seen from Nick Saban's Alabama, if they were to, to finish the deal here. Uh, that's a that's a, about as impressive a five-year stretch as you could hope for. Yeah, and I don't have much to argue with that. I mean, Xavier, are you going you gonna to push for somebody else here? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to go for Nick Saban's Alabama team. Um, obviously, when you play in a conference that doesn't finish with a ranked team, I think outside of them and Virginia, uh, you know, that doesn't really help that argument. You know, you can only play who's in front of you. Yes, I understand that. I completely agree with that being the case. Yet, when what's in front of you are walking garbage can cans, I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think that who you play does add to your lore a little bit. That's true. Um, obviously, I'm not old enough to know about the Tom Osborne Nebraska's, but they probably would have something to say about this. Um, I'm not old. Enough, you know, I'm not old. Some of those to, Miami teams were right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did obviously once again not old enough. I was five when they won their second national championship, uh, or not second, but uh, when they won it in '01. So uh, I wouldn't know enough about the teams that they were playing per se um, to say much about that. Uh, but I do know about this Clemson team, and I do know that Georgia Tech was on their schedule. So that being the case, <laughs> I have to still give it to the Bama teams of uh, 2010 and or 2011 and 2012. Yeah, I mean, that, I think those are the two squads, you know at least as of recent, that you'd be debating between. But um, I'm not going to ask this last question because we've talked about Georgia enough. So, uh, <laughs> but, well, we, we've got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah we've, got, we've got tons of time, absolutely. So, uh, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to it on Monday. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter, at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And, uh, Nick, tell everybody about the CFB Winning Edge Patreon. If you're interested in uh, supporting the podcast or want uh, access to some of these numbers that we've been talking about, uh, check us out 
patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. Uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, going through, trying to update everything for 2019 uh, and, and get an early look at 2020, keeping track of all the transfers, all the NFL draft declarations, updating all of our player ratings. Uh, so uh, do check us out, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. You can reach out to me anytime if you have questions uh, on what you would get if you were a patron or, or anything like that. So uh, check us out. All and right. If you want to debate with me? My mentions are always open. Please, please, and I, I'm ready. I'm ready for all the fans to come at me this season. Uh, you know, you've listened this long, so I know some fan bases are not happy with me. Texas probably at the top of that list. But uh, if you ever want to talk to me about anything college related, NFL related, even if you want to go to the NBA. My Twitter's there. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to argue with you. So only only positive <laughs> things for me. So, uh, but uh, enjoy the, the national championship game. And we're not taking breaks. We will be back next week. And we'll be back every week with off-season content. So stick with us. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.